Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter, and this is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be going over chapter 25 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 269 through 279. The title of the chapter is called Rules of Conduct. After the reading portion of this program, which is about 24 minutes long, we'll get into the commentary. Thank you for listening. Rules of Conduct, Chapter 25 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 269 to 279. Nothing is more desirable in a large family than to have peace union and cooperation among the members. To see love and happiness radiate in a family is one of the greatest blessings of mortal man. For the polygamist, this was his greatest desire, effort, and goal. To achieve this accomplishment, however, it required following certain rules of conduct and government in the family. One polygamist wrote an outstanding set of family rules which could serve as a guideline for others. Therefore, an abridgment of these 27 rules comprises the remainder of this chapter. Rule first. Let that man who intends to become a husband, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and learn to govern himself, according to the law of God, for he that cannot govern himself cannot govern others. Let him dedicate his property, his talents, his time, and even his life to the service of God, holding all things at his disposal, to do with the same, according as he shall direct through the counsel that he is ordained. Rule second. Let him next seek for wisdom to direct him in the choice of his wives. Let him seek for those whose qualifications will render him and themselves happy. Let him look not wholly at the beauty of the countenance, or the splendor of the apparel, or the great fortune, or the artful smiles, or the affected modesty of females. For all these, without the genuine virtues, are like the dewdrops, which glitter for a moment in the sun, and dazzle the eye, but soon vanish away. But let him look for kind and amiable dispositions, for unaffected modesty, for industrious habits, for sterling virtue, for honesty, integrity, and truthfulness, for cleanliness in persons, in apparel, in cooking, and in every kind of domestic labor, for cheerfulness, patience, and stability of character, and above all, 
for genuine religion to control and govern every thought and deed. Rule third. When a man has obtained his wives, let him not suppose that they're already perfect in all things. For this cannot be expected in those who are young and inexperienced in married life. They, as weaker vessels, are given to him as the stronger, to nourish, cherish, and protect. To be their head, their patriarch, and their savior. To teach, instruct, counsel, and perfect them in all things relating to family government, and the welfare and happiness of themselves and their children. Therefore, let him realize the weighty responsibility now placed upon him, as the head of a family, and also let him study diligently the disposition of his wives, that he may know how to instruct them. Rule 4. Betray not the confidence of your wives. There are many ideas in an affectionate confiding wife which she would wish to communicate to her husband, and yet she would be very unwilling to have them communicated to others. Keep each of your wives secrets from all the others, and from anyone else, unless in cases where good will result by doing otherwise. Rule 5. Speak not of the faults of your wives to others, for in so doing, you speak against yourself. This is calculated to weaken their confidence in you, and sow division in the family. Tell each one of her faults in private in a spirit of kindness and love, and she will most probably respect you for it, and endeavor to do better for the future. Rule 6. Avoid anger and a fretful peevish disposition in your family. A hasty spirit, accompanied with harsh words, will most generally beget its own likeness, or, at least, it will eventually, sour the feelings of your wives and children, and greatly weaken their affections for you. Do not find fault with every trifling error that you may see, that it will discourage your family, and they will begin to think that it is impossible to please you, and, after a while, become indifferent as to whether they please you or not. How unhappy and extremely wretched is that family where nothing pleases them dash where scolding has become almost as natural as breathing. Rule 7. Use impartiality in your family as far as circumstances will allow and let your kindness and love abound towards them all. Use your own judgment, as the head of the family, in regard to your duties in relation to them, and be not swayed from that which is right, by your own feelings, nor by the feelings of others. Relate. Suffer not your judgment to be biased against any one of your wives, by the accusations of the others unless you have good grounds to believe that those accusations are just. Decide not hastily upon partial evidence, but weigh well all things, that your mind may not become unjustly prejudiced. When one of your wives complains of the imperfections of the others, and endeavors to set your mind against them, teach her that all have imperfections, and of the necessity of bearing one with another in patience, and of praying one for another. Rule 9. Call your wives and children together frequently, and instruct them in their duties towards God, towards yourself, 
and towards one another. Pray with them and for them often, and teach them to pray much, that the Holy Spirit may dwell in their midst, without which it is impossible to maintain that union, love, and oneness which are so necessary to happiness and salvation. Rule 10. Remember, that notwithstanding written rules will be of service in teaching you your duties, as the head of a family, yet without the Holy Ghost to teach and instruct you, it is impossible for you to govern a family in righteousness. Therefore, seek after the Holy Ghost, and He shall teach you all things, and sanctify you and your family, and make you one, that you may be perfected in Him and He in you, and eventually be exalted on high to dwell with God, where your joy will be full forever. Rule 11. Let no woman unite herself in marriage with any man, unless she has fully resolved to submit herself wholly to his counsel, and to let him govern as the head. It is far better for her not to be united with him in the sacred bonds of eternal union, than to rebel against the divine order of family government, instituted for a higher salvation. For if she, altogether turn therefrom, she will receive a greater condemnation. Rule 12. Never seek to prejudice the mind of your husband against any of his other wives, for the purpose of exalting yourself in his estimation, lest the evil which you unjustly try to bring upon them, fall with double weight upon your own head. Strive to rise in favor and influence with your husband by your own merits, and not by magnifying the faults of others. Rule 13. Seek to be a peacemaker in the family with whom you are associated. If you see the least appearance of division arising, use your utmost efforts to restore union and soothe the feelings of all. Soft and gentle words, spoken in season, will allay contention and strife. While a hasty spirit and harsh language add fuel to the fire already kindled which will rage with increasing violence. Rule 14. Speak not evil of your husband unto any of the rest of the family for the purpose of prejudicing their minds against him. For if he be informed thereof, it will injure you in his estimation. Neither speak evil of any members of the family, for it will destroy their confidence in you. Rule 15. If you see any of your husband's wives sick or in trouble, use every effort to relieve them and to administer kindness and consolations, remembering that you, yourself, under the same circumstances, would be thankful for their assistance. Endeavor to share each other's burdens, according to the health, ability, and strength which God has given you. Do not be afraid that you will do more than your share of the domestic labor, or that you will be more kind to them than they are to you. Rule 16. Let each mother correct her own children, and see that they do not dispute and quarrel with each other, nor with any others. Let her not correct the children of the others without liberty to do so, lest it give offense. The husband should see that each mother maintains a wise and proper discipline over her children, especially in their younger years, and it is his duty to see that all of his children are obedient to himself and to their respective mothers. Rule 17. Lieutenant is the duty of parents to instruct their children, 
according to their capacities in every principle of the gospel. Suffer no wickedness to have place among them, but teach them the right way, and see that they walk therein. And let the husband, and his wives, and all of his children that have come to the years of understanding, often bow before the Lord around the family altar, and pray vocally and unitedly for whatever blessings they stand in need of, remembering that where there are union and peace, there will also be faith, and hope, and the love of God, and every good work, and a multiplicity of blessings, imparting health and comfort to the body, and joy and life to the soul. Rule 18. Let each mother commence with her children when young, not only to teach and instruct them, but to chasten and bring them into the most perfect subjection. For then is the time that they are the most easily conquered, and their tender minds are the most susceptible of influences in government. She is more directly responsible than the father, for it cannot be expected that the father can always find time, apart from the laborious duties required of him, to correct and manage his little children who are at home with their mothers. Some mothers, though not careless, and though they feel the greatest anxiety for the welfare of their children, yet, through a mistake or notion of love for them forbear to punish them when they need punishment. The stubbornness of the children, for the most part, is the effect of the mother's indulgence, arising from her mistaken idea of love. By that which she calls love, she ruins her children. Therefore, we repeat again, let mothers begin to discipline their children when young. Rule 19. Do not correct children in anger. An angry parent is not as well prepared to judge of the amount of punishment which should be inflicted upon a child, as one that is more cool and exercised with reflection, reason, and judgment. Let your children see that you punish them, not to gratify an angry disposition, but to reform them for their good, and it will have a salutary influence. They will not look upon you as a tyrant, swayed to and fro by turbulent and furious passions, but they will regard you as one that seeks their welfare, and that you only chasten them because you love them, and wish them to do well. Be deliberate and come in your counsels and reproofs, but at the same time use earnestness and decision. Let your children know that your words must be respected and obeyed. Rule 20th. Never deceive your children by threatenings or promises. Be careful not to threaten them with a punishment which you have no intention of inflicting. For this will cause them to lose confidence in your word. Besides, it will cause them to contract the habit of lying, when they perceive that their parents do not fulfill their threatenings or promises they will consider that there is no harm in forfeiting their word. Be carefully to fulfill your word in all things in righteousness, and your children will not only learn to be truthful from your example, but they will fear to disobey your word, knowing that you never fail to punish or reward according to your threatenings and promises. Rule 21st Do not be so stern and rigid in your family government as to render yourself an object of fear and dread. Justice should be tempered with mercy, and love should be the great moving principle, interweaving itself in all your family administrations. When justice alone sits upon the throne, 
your children approach you with dread, or peradventure hide themselves from your presence and long for your absence. Be familiar with your children that they may delight themselves in your society, and look upon you as a kind and tender parent whom they delight to obey. If you have been tyrants, they may be influenced to pattern after your example. If you are fretful and continually scolding, they will be very apt to be scolds, too. If you are loving, kind, and merciful, these benign influences will be very certain to infuse themselves into the order of family government. Rule 22. Let each mother teach her children to honor and love their father, and to respect his teachings and counsels. Rule 23. Suffer not children of different mothers to be haughty and abusive to each other. For they are own brothers and sisters the same as the children of the patriarch Jacob. And one has no claim above another only as his conduct merits it. Always speak well of each of your husband's wives in the presence of your children. For children generally form their judgment concerning others by the sayings of their parents. Examples will sometimes reform when precepts fail. Rule 24. Be industrious in your habits. This is important as fulfilling the law of God. It is also important for those who are in low circumstances, that they may acquire food, and raiment, and the necessary comforts of life. It is also important for the rich as well as the poor, that they may be able more abundantly to supply the wants of the needy, and be in circumstances, to help the unfortunate and administer to the sick and afflicted. For in this way, it is possible even for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Rule 25th When your children are from 3 to 5 years of age, send them to school, and keep them there year after year until they receive a thorough education in all the rudiments of useful science, and in their manners, and morals. Let mothers educate their daughters in all kinds of domestic labor. Teach them to wash and iron, to bake and do all kinds of cooking, to knit and sew. And to do all other things that will qualify them to be good and efficient housewives. Let fathers educate their sons in whatever branch or branches of business they intend them respectively to follow. Despise that false delicacy which is exhibited by the sons and daughters of the rich, who consider it a dishonor to labor at their common avocations of life. They would let their poor old father and mother slave themselves to death, to support them in their idle knees, or at some useless fanciful employment. The daughter will sit down in the parlor at her painting or music, arrayed in silks and fineries, and let her mother wash and cook until, through fatigue, she is ready to fall into her grave. But such daughters are not worthy of husbands, and should not be admitted into any respectable society. They are contemptible drones, that would be a curse to any husband who should be so unfortunate as to be connected with such nuisances. Embellishments only render such characters a hundredfold more odious and disgustful than they would otherwise appear. Rule 26. Use economy and avoid wastefulness. How discouraging it would be to a husband who has a large family, 
depending mostly upon his labor for a support, to see his wives and children carelessly, thoughtlessly, and unnecessarily, waste his hard earnings. Let me not one wife, for fear that she shall not obtain her share of the income, destroy, give away, and otherwise foolishly dispose of what is given to her, thinking that her husband will furnish her with more. Those who economize and wisely use that which is given to them, should be counted worthy to receive more abundantly than those who pursue a contrary course. Each wife should feel interested in saving and preserving that with which the Lord has entrusted her, and should rejoice, not only in her prosperity, but in the prosperity of all the others. Her eyes should not be full of greediness to grasp everything herself, but she should feel equally interested in the welfare of the whole family. By pursuing this course she will be beloved. By taking a contrary course, she will be considered selfish and little-minded. Rule 27 Let husbands, wives, sons, and daughters continually realize that their relationships do not end with this short life, but will continue in eternity without end. Every qualification and disposition, therefore, which will render them happy here, should be nourished, cherished, enlarged, and perfected, that their union may be indissoluble, and their happiness secured both for this world and for that which is to come. Chapter 26 Conclusion Okay, so that was the end of the reader portion of the program. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Anybody who would like to call in during the recorded portion of the program may do so. I will be able to talk to you in the call screening room. And if you choose to wait to the end of the recorded portion, you can come on the air live. Anyone with questions or comments that does not want to come on the air, there is a chat room available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon and I have posted today's programs on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977 along with the full text to the reading there is also links on the podcast internet radio show uh, website blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon where you can find this chapter to read online this book to read online and other books of restoration theology which are beneficial for learning So let's get into the commentary portion of the program. 
just fix this real quick. Yeah, okay, here we go. Rules of Conduct, Chapter 25 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 269 to 279. Nothing is more desirable in a large family than to have peace, union, and cooperation among the members. To see love and happiness radiate in a family is one of the greatest blessings of mortal man. For the polygamist, this was his greatest desire, effort, and goal. To achieve this accomplishment, however, it was required following certain it required following certain rules of conduct and government in the family. One polygamist wrote an outstanding set of family rules which could serve as a guideline for others. Therefore, an abridgment of the 27 rules comprises the remainder of this chapter. So, just so you know, this is the second to last chapter of this book. And then tomorrow, we will be reading the concluding chapter. And then, I'm not sure what which book we're going to get into after that. I don't know if I want to go back into plural celestial marriage or just... I kind of want something lighter. Maybe the gift of dreams or the pre-existence or something like that. But I'm not sure yet. I have to uh, think about these things and pray over them. So, Rule first. Let that man who intends to become a husband seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and learn to govern himself according to the law of God. For he that cannot govern himself cannot govern others. Let him dedicate his property, his talents, his time, and even his life to the service of God, holding all things at his disposal to do with the same according as he shall direct through the counsel that he has ordained. Page 270. Rule 2nd. Let him seek for wisdom to direct him in the choice of his wives. Let him seek for those who qualify or whose qualifications will render themselves or render him and themselves happy. Let him look not wholly at the beauty of the countenance or the splendor of the apparel or the great fortune or the artful smiles or the affected modesty of females. For all these without the genuine virtues are like the dewdrops which glitter from a moment in the sun and dazzle the eye but soon vanish away. But look, let him look for kind and ad, amiable disposition, for unaffected modesty, unaffected modesty, for ind industrious habits, for sterling virtue, and for honesty, integrity, and truthfulness, for cleanliness in person, in apparel, 
in cooking, and in every kind of domestic labor for cheerfulness, patience, and stability of character, and above all, for genuine religion to control and govern their every thought and deed. Number three, rule third. When a man has obtained his wives, let him not suppose that they are already perfect in all things, for this cannot be expected in those who are young and inexperienced in married life. They as the weaker vessel are given to him as the stronger to nourish, cherish, and protect, to be their head, their patriarch, and their savior, to teach, instruct, counsel, and perfect them in all things related to family government and the welfare and the happiness of themselves and their children. Therefore, let him realize the weighty responsibility now placed upon him as the head of the family, and also let him study diligently the disposition of his wives, that he may know how to instruct them. Rule fourth. Betray not the confidence of your wives. There are many ideas in, and affections... I'm sorry, there are many ideas in affectionate, confiding wives which should, which would wish to communicate to her husband, and yet she would be very unwilling to have them communicated to others. Page 271. Keep each of your wives' secrets from all of others and from anyone else, unless in case where good will result by doing otherwise so. He's just saying, don't, don't be the kind of person that shares the secrets of others. And you know what? I have got friends. I don't. Uh, I've got so many different friends, and they're like, don't tell so and so, or you know. And then it's kind of funny. So, my old boss that passed away when we moved into our house November 1st of 2019. He used to say, don't tell my wife. And then he would like yap on about something, you know. And then his wife would say, don't tell Frank. But And then she would yap on about whatever she had to get off her chest. And... I would hear stories from other parts of that family. And my boss, so the husband was one of my bosses, but so was the son. And my, my, my friend that passed away, the husband, he'd say, so-and-so, his son, says that I shouldn't talk to you so much. And that he would still talk to me and tell me all these secrets, these family secrets I don't even want to know about, you know. But I never shared them with other people. And um, all I would say is, well, they've got a lot of screwed up stuff in that family. And it's not just their immediate family either. Their whole family is 
got all kinds of drama. It's so stupid. But um, I don't share things when people tell me about things. My wife tells me things. I don't share things. She knows that she can trust me. But I think that that is important if you're going to have more than one wife, but also just in general, like, be the kind of person that can keep a secret. You know, gossiping is not from God. So I just, I don't know, little commentary on that. Probably not really needed or necessary, but it is what it is, so I said it. All right, rule fifth. Speak not of the faults of your wives to others, for in so doing you speak against yourself. This is calculated to weaken their confidence in you, and so division in the family. Tell each one of her faults in private, in a spirit of kindness and love, and she will most probably respect you for it, and endeavor to do better for the future. Rule six. Avoid anger and a fretful, peevish disposition in your family. A hasty spirit accompanied with harsh words will most will most generally beget its own likeness, or at least it will eventually sow the feelings of your wife and children greatly. Hold on here. And greatly weaken their affection for you. Do not find fault with every trifling error that you may see, for this will discourage your family, and they will begin to think that it is impossible to please you, and after a while become so indifferent as to whether they please you or not. How unhappy and extremely wretched is that family where nothing pleases, where scolding has become almost a natu- as natural as breathing. Rule 7. Use, imp- use impartiality in your family as far as circumstances will allow and let your kindness and love abound towards them all. Use your judgment as the head of the family in regard to your duties in relation to them and be not swayed from that which is right by your own feelings nor by the feelings of others. Page 272, Rule 8. Suffer not your judgment to be biased against any one of your wives by the accusation of the other unless you have good grounds to believe that those accusations are just. Decide not hastily upon partial evidence, but weigh well all things, that your mind may not become unjustly prejudiced. When one of your wives complains of the imperfections of others and endeavors to set your mind against them, teach her that all have imperfections and of the necessity of bearing, bearing one with another in patience and for praying one for another. Rule ninth, call your wives and children's children together frequently and instruct them their du- in their duties towards God, towards yourself, and towards one another. Pray with them for, pr- and pray with them often and teach them to pray much 
that the Holy Spirit may dwell in their midst without which is it is impossible to maintain that union, love, and oneness which are so necessary to keep... Hold on, sir. Which are so necessary to happiness and salvation. Rule 10. Remember that notwithstanding written rules, remember that notwithstanding written rules will be of service in teaching you your duties as the head of a family. Yet without the Holy Ghost to teach and instruct you, it is impossible for you to govern a family in righteousness. Therefore, seek after the Holy Ghost, and he shall teach you all things and sanctify you and your family and make you one that you may be perfect in him and he in you and eventually be exalted on high to dwell with God where your joy and um, where your joy will be full forever rule 11 let no woman unite herself in marriage with any man unless she is fully resolved to submit herself wholly to his counsel and to let him govern as head it is far better for her not to be united with him in the sacred bonds of eternal union than to rebel against the divine orders of the family government instituted for higher salvation if she altogether turn their thumb, she will receive the greater condemnation. Rule 12. Never seek to prejudice the mind of your husband against any of his other wives for the purpose of exalting yourself in his estimation, lest the evil which you unjustly try to bring upon them fall with double weight upon your own head. Strive to rise in favor and influence with your husband by your own merits and not by magnifying the faults of others. Rule 13. Seek to be a peacemaker in the family with whom you are associated. If you see the, late, the least appearance of division arising, use your utmost efforts to restore union and soothe the feelings of all. Soft and gentle words spoken in season will always will allay contention and strife, while a hasty spirit and harsh language will add fuel to the fire already kindled, which will rage with increasing violence. Rule 14. Speak not evil of your husband unto any of the rest of your family for the purpose of prejudicing their mind against him. For if he be informed thereof, it will injure you in his estimation. Neither speak evil of any members of the family, for this will destroy their confidence in you. Rule 15. If you see any of your husband's wives sick, or in trouble, use every effort to revive, relieve them and to administer kindness and consolations, remembering that you yourself, under the same circumstances, would be thankful for their assistance. Page 274. 
And we're at 45% of the reading for today. Endeavor to share each other's burdens according to the health, ability, and strength which God has given you. Do not be afraid that you will do more than your share in domestic labor and that you will be more kind to them than they are to you. Rule 16. Let each mother correct her own children and see that they do not dispute and quarrel with each other, nor with any, any others. Let her not correct the children of the others without, without liberty to do so, lest it give offense. The husband should see that each mother maintains a wise and proper discipline over her children, especially in their younger years. And it is his duty to see that all of his children are obedient to himself and to their respective mothers. Rule 17. It is the duty of parents to instruct their children according to the capabilities in every principle of the gospel. Suffer no wickedness to have place among them, but teach them the right way and see that they walk therein. And let the husband and his wives and all of his children that have come to the years of understanding often bow before the Lord around the family altar and pray vocally and unitedly for whatever blessing they stand in need of, remembering that that where there are union and peace, there will also be faith and hope and the love of God and every good work and multiplicity of blessings imparting health and comfort to the body and joy and and life to the soul. Rule 18. Let each mother commence with her children when young, not only teach and instruct them, but to chasten and bring them into the most perfect subjugation for when it is the time that they are the most easily conquered and their tender minds are most subtle of influence in government. She is more likely, I'm sorry, she is more directly responsible than the father for it cannot be expected that a father can always find time apart from the laborious duties required of him to correct and manage his little children who are at home with their mothers. Some mothers, though not careless, and though they feel the greatest anxiety for the welfare of their children, yet through a mistaken notion of love for them, forbear to punish them when they need punishment. The stubbornness of children, for the most part, is the effect of the mother's indulgence arising from her mistaken idea of love. By that which she calls love, she ruins her children. Therefore, we repeat again, let mothers begin to discipline their children when young. Rule 19. Do not correct children in anger. An angry parent is not as well prepared to judge of the amount of punishment which should be inflicted upon the child. As one that is more cool and exercised with reflection, reason and judgment, 
let your children see that you punish them not to gratify an angry disposition, but to reform them for their good, and it will have a salutary influence that will not look upon you as a and they will not look upon you as a tyrant swayed to and fro by turbulent and furious passions, but will regard you as one that seeks their welfare, and that you only chasten them because you love them, and wish them to, to do well. Be deliberate and calm in your counsels and your reproofs, but at the same time, use earnestness and decision let your children know that you, your words must be respected and obeyed. Rule 20th, never deceive your children by threatenings or promises. Be careful not to threaten them with a punishment which you have not, no intention of inflicting, for this will cause them to lose confidence in your word. Besides, it will cause them to contract the habit of lying when they perceive that their parents do not fulfill their threatenings or promises. They will consider that there is no harm in forfeiting their word or lying. Be careful to fulfill your word in all things in righteousness, and your children will not only learn to be truthful from your example, but they will fear to disobey your word knowing that you will never fail to punish or reward according to your threatenings or promisings. Rule 21st. Do not be so stern and rigid in your family government as to render yourself an object of fear and dread. Justice should be tempered with mercy and love. I'm sorry, justice should be tempered with mercy and love should be great the great moving principle interweaving itself in all of your family administrations when justice alone sits upon the throne your children approach you with dread and peradventure hide themselves from your presence and long for your absence be familiar with your children that they may be diligent that they may do i'm sorry that your children, that they may delight themselves in your society and look upon you as a kind and tender parent whom they delight to obey. If you have been tyrants, they may be influenced to pattern after your example. If you are fretful and continually scolding, they will be very apt to be scolds too. If you are loving, kind and merciful, these benign influences will be, very, will be very certain to infuse themselves into their order of family government. Rule 22nd. Let each mother teach her, her children to honor and love their father and to respect his teachings and counsel. Page 277. And we are at 75% of the reading for today. Once again, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827.
There is a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Rule 23rd. Suffer not children of different mothers to be haughty and abusive to each other, for they are own <clears throat> for they are own brothers and sisters, the famous children of the patriarch Jacob. And no one has claim above another as only as his conduct merits it. Always speak well of each of your husband's wives in the, in the presence of your children, for children generally form their judgment concerning others by the sayings of their parents. Examples will sometimes reform when perceptions are precepts fell. Rule 24th, be industrious in your habits. This is important as fulfilling the law of God. It is also important for those who are in low circumstances that they may acquire food and raiment and the, nece- the nece- necessary comforts of life. It is also important for the rich as well as the poor that they may be able to, abund- to more abundantly that they may be able more abundantly to supply the wants of the needy and be in circumstances to each of the fortunate to administer to the sick and afflicted. For in this way, it is possible even for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Rule 25th, when your children are free, excuse me, When your children are from three to five years of age, send them to school and keep them there year after year until they receive through a thorough education in all the rudiments of useful science and in their manners and morals. Let mothers educate their daughters to be in all kinds of domestic labor. Teach them to wash and iron and to bake and to do all kinds of cooking, to knit and sew, and do and to do all the other things that are quali- that will qualify them to be good and efficient housewives. Let fathers educate their sons in whatever branch or branches of business they intend them respectively to follow. Despise that false. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this word. Hold on. Well, I guess I'll just look it up real quick. Oh, I should have known that word. Despise that false delicacy which is exhibited by the sons and daughters of the rich who consider it a dishonor to labor at the common advocation of life. They would let their poor old father and mother slave themselves to death in support <clears throat> to support them in their idleness or at some useless fanciful employment. The daughter will sit down in your parlor at her painting or music arrayed in silks and fineries and let her mother wash and cook until through fatigue she is ready to fall into her grave. 
but such daughters are not worthy of husbands and should not be admitted into any respectable society. They are uh, contemptible drones that would curse to any husband who should be fortunate as to connect with such nuisances. Ugh, I am tired. We're almost done, though. We're at 89%. So I'm just going to keep on going, and we'll probably get finished with this pretty quick. So Embellishments only render such characters a hundredfold more odious and disgustful than they would otherwise appear. Rule 26. Use economy and avoid wastefulness. How discouraging it would be to a husband who has a large family, depending mostly upon his labors for support, to see his wives and children carelessly, thoughtlessly, and unnecessarily waste his hard earnings. Let not one wife, for fear that she will not obtain her share of the income, destroy, give away, and otherwise foolishly dispose of what is given to her, thinking that her husband will furnish her with more. Those who economize and wisely use that which is given to them should be counted worthy to receive more abundantly than those who pursue a contrary course. Each wife should feel interested in saving and preserving that which the Lord has entrusted her and should rejoice not only in her prosperity, in the property prosperity of all uh, the others of, of the family. Her eyes should not be full of greediness to grasp everything herself, but she should feel equally interested in the welfare of the whole family by pursuing this course she will be beloved by taking the contrary course she will be considered selfish and little-minded and I have to say something about that so my first wife when we got married she gave away all of the food storage that I had I had a two-year supply of food storage I was a truck driver at the time and I did not know what was going on until later when I realized that my food storage was getting littler, <laughs> smaller and smaller. And we lived in this house in Cottonwood Heights. And I don't know who she was giving the food storage to, but just random people in the neighborhood and people she went to school with. And she was doing it to help them, but I think... I felt like she was doing it because she wanted people to like her. And like, I am working hard to support her and to try to build a life with her. And she's just giving away all of my things. It wasn't just food storage. It was a lot of other stuff. Um, And she didn't respect the time and effort it took me to acquire that food storage. You know, and my wife now. I love her to death, but um, there were a couple of times that she did not care about how much hard work and and payments it took me to, like, my motorhome was up in um, Moses Lake, Washington in a storage unit for two years. And when we got there to get it out of storage and to take it home, 
the battery was dead and she wanted to just leave it and all of my paintings and all of my books and all of my stuff that was inside of the the motorhome she just wanted to leave it and she complained the whole time as I was trying to get this motorhome running again and luckily I got it running but she complained the whole time and like there's just been other things like recently one of one of the mugs that I use for work um, I have certain mugs which fit certain trucks because not all the truck holders where I put my soda or whatever I'm drinking are the same size so I've got mugs for this truck that I usually use and then I've got mugs for the spare trucks and they're different sizes so that they fit in the cup holders and don't fall over while I'm driving well I I opened up the dumpster that we have you know we have a dumpster I know it's ridiculous but we have a dumpster anyway I opened up the dumpster and there's one of my mugs just laying in there and I was like, why is this here? And she's like, you never use it. And I'm like, but why are you throwing away these things? I spent money, which takes time and effort and my labors, you know, like, it's like, and when I see things destroyed at my house and my kids destroy things, like ridiculous, like I can't keep anything from them. I can't keep anything nice. And this is one of my own gripes, but I'm so sick and tired of coming home and finding my things broken that if I want to have them still I, I have to spend more money and that money takes time and I'm working myself to the bone and we don't have enough money to do all the things that we need to do and here they are destroying the things that I have spent money on which time equals money I hate being in that truck all the time I love driving truck, but my body is tired and I am worn out. And every time I see them waste money or destroy something or, or just leave food out, like which my kids do, they will leave food out and then I'll come down and I'll find that it's out and, you know, and it hasn't been put away properly. And they're like, oh, just feed it to the chickens and the goats. I'm like, that is our food. It costs money. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting upset. I should stop talking about this. This is just something that I have to deal with. But it frustrates me so much that they don't care how hard it is that I work to, to buy these things. And then they just destroy them or they leave them out or they throw them away because they don't think I'm looking. And then I'm just going to work more and, and longer hours and the money's just going to go out to buy the new thing because they thought it didn't matter if they left it out or they destroyed it. Anyway, I'll stop complaining, but it just, it's just, it weighs on me and the more I see it and the more I complain about it and the more nobody cares the more upset I get. Rule 27. Let husbands, wives, sons, and daughters continually realize their relationship 
their relationships do not end with this short life, but will continue in er eternity without end. Every qualification or dispensation, therefore, will render them happy here and should be nourished, cherished, and enlarged and perfected that their union may be indissoluble and their happiness secured both in this world and in that which is to come. And that was taken from The Seer by Orson Pratt, Volume 1, page 174 through 187, Washington, D.C., November 1853. So when we come back tomorrow, we'll be doing Chapter 26, which is Conclusion, which is on page 280. And uh, we'll open up the guest call-in lines for a or for live you know callers um also the chat room is at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon and the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827 thank you for listening Okay, so that was the program called, let me turn this down, figure out how, oh, there it is. Okay, anyway, yeah, that was the program. Um, We don't have anybody who's called in. We don't have anybody in the chat room. Uh, Let me just refresh and make sure. So when I was, uh, trying to start the program for some reason it wasn't starting the audio so hopefully that'll get edited out in the, when it uploads to iTunes and all the podcast places that it gets uploaded to hmm. I just smelled coolant <clears throat> okay it's gone now it's probably another vehicle one of the things about driving truck is that you have to be aware of the truck. And that includes the smells of the truck and the vibrations of the truck and the noises of the truck. Because, um, you know, this is a $150,000 vehicle and the trailers that I pull are $250,000. That's per each unit. So you want to make sure that if there's a problem, you stop immediately and assess the situation and make sure you're not going to do more damage by driving further. So whenever I smell coolant, I'm on it like white on rice. But if I smell coolant and it goes away really quick, that usually means it's another vehicle that just passed me going the other direction or another vehicle that's by me going the same direction. So... Anyway, uh, coolant lines bus, you know, we put probably about, oh, I don't know, let me think, four, four to 5,000 miles on these vehicles a week. So, anyway, Kim, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hi. Um, I know you didn't listen to much of what the program was today because you were listening to 
um, you know, the people that you were meeting with earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you hear any of the rules of the family? Because that's what this whole program was about, rules of conduct for the family. Rules of conduct for the family? Yep. Oh, wow, that's and I super wanted interesting. You to listen so tonight, to our, lessons, our lessons was on strengthening family, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and what we were yeah. doing, and I don't know if this has anything to do with you, what you were doing, so um, it talks about um, the psychology of the family and strengthening the family through um, spending time. That's what this unit was about. So we were talking about how we spend time, and it, you know, it has statistics that goes with it, which if anybody knows me, I'm a statistic nerd. I love it. So statistically, if you spend um, at least two to five, or two to three um, nights a week or you know days, and you eat a meal with your family and you discuss the discuss things during that meal, you are less likely, um, percentage-wise, to have kids who later um, use substances or abuse substances. Um, so that was super interesting, and I was like, hey, we got that one thing down. Good job, us. Um, so it also talks about the conversations that you can have during that time so that you have an open uh, way of communication and how um, you talk to each other and how your kids learn to respect you and how um, you respect the time with your children, that um, the things that you are doing with each of them. And so they were talking about that and spending um, 10 to 15 minutes for each child um, talking or doing something that they want to do, something that your child likes to do. Um, that maybe not necessarily you would pick, but they chose to do it, and just spending time with each child. Um, Where I'm driving now, then I might break up because I'm going over to go and pick up the car, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, So, however, uh, it was really interesting. Um, You know, uh, our kids had the right answers. They did a good job. They, you know, participated, um, which I wouldn't expect anything less. doing amazing um i'm excited for it to progress because um i don't know if you can still hear me but i'll keep talking um so the the things that we are all week on we all have um things that we're not amazing at in each family some of us have strengths this is why family units are so important and vital to each other so you have certain strengths that you bring to the family that makes you an essential asset to your family to help them to function and to work together. Um, so when you have a functioning family unit and you all bring something to the table, it makes your family stronger because you're really good at something and you help everybody else to um, be well. So um, anyways, we're, I don't know where I was going with that, but with, um, with this program that we are uh, learning about and talking about, it's a, I am really not good at – hold on – Sorry, I had to sneeze. Okay. Um, I thank you. I am I am really good at positive rewarding. I'm good at positive consequence. I'm good at um, making sure that when you do a good job, then I will do all of the things, and I love to praise you and make sure that we see the good things that you're doing all of the time, and almost to a fault, I believe. It's just I'm always good at that. But when it comes time to um, parent a child who does better with discipline, with negative discipline is what they call it. Um, when somebody, 
you know, does better with that. I'm not amazing at that. I can't think of things that you're supposed to do, um, you know, to help that child. Um, yeah, so you're supposed to take away all their clothes and makeup and wait, make them wear yeah. <laughs> uh, Goodwill and DI clothes. <laughs> well, I've heard that um, filling up a bucket with rocks is a really good one. Um, so, like, just, you know, make different chores or things. Yeah, just make different kinds of work. Do menial tasks. Yeah. Or tasks um, that don't really accomplish anything. <laughs> well, I just learned that the other day. So, um, I am trying to learn other things. And then, so with this little jar that we made tonight that has, like, conversational pieces, which is super exciting, we have those conversational pieces, um, there's also something called the consequence jar. And I didn't know that. I learned about that tonight, and it's something that they're going to help us to build so that we have a consequence jar so that when there is something that was done, not supposed to be done, then there are consequences that are already pre-made in the jar. So when we um, do something wrong or, you know, disrespect of a parent or something like that, inappropriate language, um, you know, stealing, lying, anything like that. So you'll pull from that jar, this is what you did, and then this then is the consequence. And we didn't choose the consequence for you. You chose that for yourself by um, producing (laughs) the action. So when they have the action of something inappropriate, incorrect, or wrong, then it is, okay, that's what you did. Here is the jar. Good luck. We'll vote for you, you know, and then they pull from the jar and whatever it is, it's, okay, I know that I have to do that because I shouldn't have done what I did. So We should convene a family council, and they should pick three consequences from the jar, and everybody (laughs) should vote on the consequence. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we could totally make it like a reality TV show. We'll vote people off the island. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I need a judgment desk, and I will okay. have a gavel. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting a, a phone call. I have to take, so I'm gonna have to just give me one second, okay? Sorry. Okay. Just one second. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So while my wife takes that, um, I was just realizing the other day that we have five corners in the hallway that we have upstairs and we have five kids and I was like we should put their names by their doors and they can like each have a corner that they go to let me see one two three four five yep there's five anyway um you know and stay in the corner for however many minutes they're old I was just telling them about how I realized the other day that we have five corners in our hallway upstairs between all our bedrooms you were like, and I was, it was meant to be. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, and then I was thinking, um, and I didn't tell you this, but I told the audience, I was thinking we should put one or put their name, like Olivia's room should have her name by oh, it, and that's her corner. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I, before <laughs> you even said that, I knew you were going to be like, we could just laminate name cards because he's all about, like, making sure everything has – um, you know, places and it has like, he's been talking about getting a cricket for me so that way we can laminate everything, like put labels on stuff. That's what it is, like label everything. I'm going to um, put the van next to the car. Is that okay? Or should I put the van where the car is? That's fine. No, just put it next to the car. It's fine. But I do okay. want you to bring me the key to the van. So lock yep, the van yep, up. Put, yep. put the key in the pocket. 
our our son, we had two keys, and our son decided to destroy one of the keys, and they're really expensive, and we've only we only have one key for this vehicle that we have that I usually drive. Because we're like, uh, that's too expensive. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, just bring me the key when you go um, to meet me late uh, in a little bit. So um, anyway, uh, what about, okay, yeah, the corner. Um, yeah, and you put him in the corner for how old they are. So the two-year-old would be in the corner for two minutes. And the six and the eight-year-old, you know, eight minutes and six minutes. And then the 13-year-old, well, because she's a teenager, she needs 10 extra minutes. Ha-ha, <laughs> just kidding. Um, 13 minutes and then 16 minutes. So we have a very defiant 13-year-old that thinks that no rules apply to her. And we don't know what to do with her because we've tried everything that we know how to do. That's why Kim and the kids are going to these classes on Monday nights so we can try to figure it out because we can't have her being abusive to my wife or me or our kids, uh, her brothers and sisters. And she is getting to be that way. So we're just trying to figure things out to help her not be, you know, rude and disrespectful to everybody in the family. And she thinks it's funny to joke in a disrespectful tone, even when she's not being mean, you know, to anybody in the family, any kind of put down or snide remark, you know, uh, but even when Kim is trying to tell her to do something, she will just tell her to shut up to her face you know, and argue with her and lie to her and um, get very angry and start screaming and yelling if she is told to do something, you know, that she needs to do that's her chore. She gets very disrespectful, and then she wants to argue and fight with all of the other kids, and we're just 100% over her actions. So we're trying to figure out, ways to help her and the whole family um, and I hope it works because uh, I don't want to have to do what my parents did to me which was send me to juvie um, send me to uh, drugs and alcohol rehab centers even though when I was 14 and I went there I wasn't a drug addict I did not use drugs I did not drink I did not, um, I never got drunk uh, at that time when I was 14. Um, my mom tricked me into a psychiatric institution, you know, just to get rid of me. And my mom would, like, send me to family members, and my grandparents took me a lot. And, uh, but that started when I was two years old because my dad was a drug addict, and it got violent in our home. Um, and then my stepdad later on was an alcoholic, and he was very violent. And there was a reason why I was so upset and so angry, because my mom would send me away even when it wasn't bad. But she didn't leave my stepdad until he stabbed me for holding my fork wrong. 
and he stabbed me in the arm because I was gripping my fork instead of holding it like a proper utensil should be held, you know. And so um, I had a reason for being angry, but but my daughter, uh, I'm not, um, I married her mom when she was three, and she was in a violent household when she was younger because her dad, I don't want to say everything that he did, but he went to jail, and then when he got out of jail, he married another woman, and now he's going to prison because he would tie her up, uh, chain her up in a room, and wouldn't give her clothes and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so this violent man that that is my daughter's bio dad, um, you know, I don't know if she picked up on that or not, but we've tried to be really good to her and we haven't gotten rid of her and we've been, you know, the best parents that we know how to be and she just doesn't accept that or appreciate it. So we're trying to figure out ways. That's why my family is going to these classes. And Kim said, you know, I don't know why you don't want people to know that, but I'm not going into details. What? But Well, I'm not going into what? details with anything, but Emory County, yeah. well, if you had anything that you wanted to say. Well, where I am actually driving almost parallel to you right now, and, and I will also break up. So um, I don't know how much <laughs> that had to do with the reading, though. Um. Well, the whole reason we're going to these classes is I don't know if you heard me. I was going through the gap. But I was just saying the whole reason we're going to these classes is because of her actions. And we're trying to help her, but we run out of ideas and we don't know what to do. So we're going to... Uh, well, they're, my family's going to the classes. They start at 5, and that's when I start work, so I can't go. So we're going to, yeah, that's why we discuss it after, and then we talk to him, and there we talk to you, and we let you know, and we'll see what works and yeah. what doesn't work. And, yep. So hopefully we figure something out. And Yeah, we want the best for her. She's really smart, and she can go a long ways, but if she continues to be abusive to her family, she'll be abusive to her boyfriends or husbands or children in the future, and we want to put a stop to this now while she's younger because we care about her, and we care about our our uh, son-in-law that we don't know yet, and we care about our <laughs> grandchildren oh, okay. that we don't know yet. We, Lydia and I were just giggling because, <laughs> so, so we were just giggling a little bit about what you said. You're like, Cause we don't know who he is. And um, we, I just giggle because this one time when she was like mm, 11, it was like a couple years ago. So she went on this like play date kind of with a friend and he was so nice. And I was like, I just met him. And and ever since I met him, I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally know who's going to be my son-in-law. Because 
they just have that energy. Like the two of them, they have like all that energy together. Oh, you're like coming back to sound. You have a lot of background noise. But anyways, um, my future so son-in-law. Around about it, yeah. And she's always like, seriously, mom. And uh, you know, and she's like, no, or you know, about it. So we always giggle about it. And she actually um, got assigned in one of her classes this year. Actually, he was assigned by the teacher to be her partner. <laughs> and she said it was because they both work so great together. So I just giggled. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Yeah, they have the same and energy a, as what the teacher told them. And I was like, I he's know, our right? Teacher. <laughs> He's our future son-in-law. Isn't he LDS? Yeah. Um, yes. Well, his, yeah, his parents are. So, you know, he's got a good background. <laughs> yeah, so she can't date anybody till he gets home from his mission. <laughs> <laughs> she just, like, breathes out, like, oh, my goodness, seriously. It's not <laughs> my <laughs> it's not my future husband. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Olivia. Yeah. We know denial, getting over denial and accepting reality is the first step to a happy marriage. <laughs> uh, this is all in teasing. It's all joking and teasing because we totally are not like we're not setting her up for anything. <laughs> she is going to be. I was be joking. A veterinarian. What's that? We are trying yeah, to set her up needs to be to go a veterinarian for that. Yeah, it's like a lot of years. It's like 10 years. And I can get some. She's like, I can get some. So what we're going to try to do is get her dual enrolled so she can get her associate's degree while she's in high school. So that way, um, what she can do is she keeps her GPA high. um, And then she can dual enroll. But she's doing a good job at. Yep, she is really good with grades. Um, She only has, I think, two Bs right now. Right? She has a B plus. And then she has all A's. So we're working on it right now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. I feel like um, she's going to do amazing. Um, we're just trying to help correct the behavior so that way her behavior doesn't get in the way of her success. Yep. Right, and we want her to be successful and we want her to have a good family life. And we don't yeah. want her to be divorced because she gets angry at her husband and hurts him. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. So um, we're trying I'm to protect our future of, son-in-law. I'm gonna go a little <laughs> bit out of service for a second, maybe because I'm gonna go check the ghost before I come out to give you your key. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, did you want? To, oh, you guys need to make sure they're, uh, you know, they're fed. They need hay and water. Yep, that's why I'm going so, back right now. Yep. And tomorrow, if you could stop and get a Vita block for them and some grain. And she definitely needs one. Yep. Well, we do the grain usually on the weekends because it's near the house, and I can only go get it then. So. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, we actually do own a farm. So I am a truck driver, a little teacher, one. and we're hobby farmers. We have 10 acres, and we are trying 
to raise the goats. And we chose goats because cows are too big to put in our minivan when we need to take them to the vet. (laughs) But goats like to jump, and they're ridiculous. Can you just stand up and walk over to the door? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. I didn't, I didn't know if I was breaking up still. Okay. I am actually going uh, past the airport, or, well, I'm about to anyway. All right. So I will see you when you come back around, I guess. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, neither do I. Um, so since we don't have any callers, uh I will just end the program at this point since Kim's phone call is the one that is the host line and uh, she's about to go back into the, well, we have little hills that surround our house and back where the goats are, there's no cell phone reception. So when she drops, it drops. So, yeah, we'll just be done with it for today. Um, Tomorrow when we come back on, we will be concluding Polygamy in the Bible. And I was thinking about reading a book called Becoming One with Christ. Oh, that's a good Um, one. It is such a good book. But we don't have... Yeah, I like it. I I can't put the the text to that because it's a book. It's a book that I read... 20-something years ago, and I loved the book so much, I became friends with the author of the book um, when I lived down in St. George, and he lived um, in the town south of St. George. I can't remember what that is at the time. But anyway, and then he later on, he moved up to Napa, Idaho, and I bought his program because he has a series of DVDs and CDs and workbooks that go along with this book. Um, but it's not on the Internet, so I can't copy and paste each chapter and give it to you. So the only way I can, like, share it with you, because I don't have time to type it out, the only way I, I can do it is to read it. So, and unfortunately, my friend has passed on. But he was a great um, man. Olivia says that she has time to type it out. Also, she's been taking typing classes for the last couple years, three, four years, and she's actually pretty quick. If you have the book, she can type out the chapters. Uh, I think it's like 200 and something pages long. So The chapter is? She can do it chapter by chapter for you. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. We'll figure out something, but... Anyway, okay. so um, I, I wish that Emma was on because I needed somebody to run the studio. Dang it. Oh, yeah, he isn't on. He's collecting chicken eggs. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and go, ahead and mute your, okay. go ahead and mute yourself, and uh, I'll try to play this music uh, to end the program. Yep. Okay, here it is. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back on tomorrow with the last chapter of Polygamy in the Bible. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.